You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett, and today we have on the show Rhett Roberts, co-founder and CEO of LoanPro. Rhett, welcome to the show. Hey, Brady. Thanks for having me. So uh, I'm excited today for our listeners to learn more about LoanPro and what you guys are doing in the market. Your tagline as a company is Lend, Service, Collect. Pretty high level. So let's can, can you give our listeners a background First, you know, tell tell us a little bit about who you are and where you came from, and then the Genesis story behind Loan Pro. Yeah, you bet. Well, thanks for having me here today. So, Loan Pro provides loan servicing software. Traditionally, in the lending space, somebody would underwrite a loan and then hire a third-party company to do the servicing, engagement with the customer, collections, and all the servicing activities that would occur. And we've built software to run that servicing on. We essentially have decoupled the servicing from the loan servicing software. And we provide the tech stack of the software side so you can plug and play a call center in or manage that in-house. And we pick it up at the point of decision through the rest of the life of the loan. A bit of our genesis story, I did my education in invest finance. After graduating, uh, some friends and I were getting offered back on Wall Street and a decision to make. Do I want to jump in and start my own? Do I want to go the traditional Wall Street route? And at that time, we decided, hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and give the entrepreneurship thing a whirl. And I joined my two brothers. We started a car dealership, bought and sold cars for a few years, ran a service center and a few other businesses. And we found ourselves that we could help our customers out if we could help them get financing. At that point in the ecosystem, you could get prime financing and subprime, but there was a no man's land in the middle of of kind of your mid-market. And so we've started giving auto loans, what is now known as a related finance company. This is almost 20 years ago. And we grew that business and we really enjoyed the lending space. We decided we want to scale that organization, and we started looking for software to help us go from having a couple hundred loans to grow to the tens or or many tens of thousands of loans, and we found that there wasn't really any software. You had almost all the software, including the software that was being used by many of the large lending organizations, was designed and built in the 1980s or early 1990s, and it just didn't have the tech stack that we required, having a background in finance, you would have to use two or three different softwares and the calculations would be inconsistent, not matching your contract and so forth, the latency in the data, different problems in that way. And so we decided to build our own software, not having a background in the software space. And from there, we had some friends in the industry reach out to us and say, hey, I'm having these problems. What do you guys do? And we said, oh, we had the same issues. We had to build software. And they asked, well, I don't really want to build software. Can I use yours? And we at first told them, no, we, we've built this for ourselves. We, we uh, spent a lot of effort on this. We want to keep it proprietary. And they were pretty persistent for probably six or, or nine months of really saying, I really want to use that. I'll pay you for it. Can I use it? And we decided, well, maybe there is something here. And uh, over a number of years, we monetized that. And what is now known as Loan Pro, we provide loan servicing software to lenders of many different shapes and sizes throughout the United States and Canada, and continuing to expand into multiple different countries, which will be announced early next year. It's a great story. And it reminds me, similar to Shopify, 
where you know that that software platform was originally built. Uh, the founders wanted to build an online store, and you know all of a sudden the software that they built was was a better business to license out to other merchants. So uh, <laughs> very similar there. So you know it's 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 a definitely an interesting story. Can you talk a little bit about the customers you serve? Right. What what did Loan Pro bring to the market? And feel free to go into specifics that was kind of you know different from what was out there previously. Yeah. To your point about Shopify, I think it's interesting. So some partners over at Andreessen Horowitz wrote an article here a couple months back that was talking about the concept of every company creates some kind of a spinoff of a fintech company. They give a handful of examples. If you remember, like Confluence came out of a tool instead of LinkedIn or uh, MongoDB actually came out of DoubleClick, or we all know the story with Slack. It's interesting that one of the ways of creating a most successful business is to properly solve a problem instead of to have a solution looking for a problem. And so our, our experience of starting one business and rolling into what, you know, find a need, fill a need, an old mantra from an entrepreneurship really makes a lot of sense that in our case, we landed with software was really the need. It was a problem we had ourselves we filled that need, turns out other people had that same problem as well. And so I think you hear that story, that Genesis story will likely resonate with many because it, that story happens over and over again. And it often the organizations that come out of that, the products that they create, some tool a company creates, turns into a company itself. Uh, look at the success that Slack has had. And I, I think it's just really interesting to see that. So that's the first point. The second one, talking a little bit who our customers are, it comes from the Genesis story. So we started out in auto lending ourselves, but some of the very early lenders who reached out to us, they weren't in that vertical. They were giving consumer loans, various business-to-business uh, -business loans, different verticals. And so we pick it up at the point of decision which is after you have your loan origination. You've already know that you're going to give Jane Doe a loan. And you know generally will know the terms of that loan as well. $10,000 loan and an interest rate. But maybe you don't know the TILA disclosures or the amortization schedule or other, other attributes you can affiliate to that loan. And so we pick it up from that point through the rest of the life of the loan. And that provides us the ability to go omni-channel. So we're working with lenders. You can check it out on our site if you're following up the podcast. But we work with lenders across quite a few verticals. These might be in the consumer lending space, buy now, pay later. They might be in the, the point of sale or business to business lending. And so, uh, you know, in the last year or so, we've closed some deals with some big, big named organizations like Rocket Loans or Brex, Fundbox, uh, Access, Medallion, a, a variety of them there. And the list continues to grow. But the, the concept is... The uniqueness of specializing is usually focused inside of the origination channel. If you go get a point of sale jewelry financing loan, that's a pretty unique experience versus if you're getting a student loan. But after you have your customer and acquisition occurred, the servicing, you need to manage those. You need a compliant, organized platform to manage and, and to do all of the servicing actions associated with those loans. But really, what's the difference between a student loan and an auto loan and a jewelry financing where other than the terms of the deal, generally they work the same way. Maybe there's slightly different loan life cycle events that happen. So we've looked at it from that lens, which has allowed us to work and provide our customers the software to manage loans cross verticals. 
It makes a ton of sense. You've basically looked at the market and identified whether, you know, this is how you thought of it at the time or you, you kind of backed into it, but you identified the most scalable part of that loan product and, and have replicated across different product lines. So just, you know, for our listeners, I think we're, we're pretty familiar with a lot of fintech concepts, but you are obviously in depth in this lending world. Could you maybe just give a couple of examples for our listeners of really some of the complex tasks and processes that your customers struggled with prior to becoming a Loan Pro customer? Uh, maybe just a couple of, of examples of, of where you guys have made the most impact. Yeah, that, that's great. Thanks for bringing that up. So one of the biggest ones is the API. So we are a cloud-first solution. We provide a configuration where without programming, you can stand up additional lending products within the organization. And we're a cloud-first solution that way. So this provides, and I'll give a couple of examples. So API first. So when COVID happened, many of our lenders had their servicing phones ringing off the hook. All of their borrowers knew that there was some kind of payment assistance, but every organization, A, hadn't defined what that assistance is, or B, had a way to rule it out. And so we had many lenders reaching out to us saying, hey, what's everybody doing? Like, how, how do I do this? We know there's supposed to be some kind of payment forbearance. We want to take care of our customers, but we want to also make sure our portfolio remains performant. And so how do I define forbearance? Am I skipping a payment? Do I do it for all of my customers? Just people who are saying they have a hardship? Do they have to self-enroll? Do I auto-enroll people? Um, if it's not skip a payment, do I just reduce the interest? Do I take the interest to zero? Do I reset delinquency? And on and on, any permutation or combination you can think of could equal, in air quotes, forbearance. So we'd help our customers and, and give them some guidance on what might be the best practices. But then they have an implementation problem. How do they do that? They have, their phones are ringing off the hook. They have 10 or, or 15x amount of volume coming through, and they don't have the staff because they have the same time. You also had to send everybody to work from home. And so uh, we were able to cover that if they're on our software because we're cloud-based. So they just take the computer home, ready to roll. But some organizations had some real problems if they didn't have a tech stack like LoanPro because they're working with an on-prem solution. And then you send your call center home and you're, so you're dealing with those management problems. So a lot of organizations are, are have issues on two sides, right? They got the management side for the call center and their servicers, but then also they're trying to provide the best experience for their customers. Customers are getting frustrated because it's taking them 15 calls to get a hold of a human and so forth. So we worked with one example, leveraging the API with one customer. And we did the end up doing this for, for many, but the first one who's really interested in call deflection. So within their IVR phone system, customer would call in, they would authenticate by you know, typing in their account number, last four of their social, uh, have not spoken to a human yet. That would call in real time Loan Pro's API, get all the attributes about that loan, and the customer can then do confirmation. This is real time information, not one day stale information. They can do confirmation if maybe they wanted to make a payment on the phone, they want to see their balance, everything. All of us have gone through a phone prompt like that before. But then the real interesting one is we were able to help the customer configure their payment programs. And so directly within that IVR phone system, one of the attributes that was returned was do they qualify? And if so, what payment programs that were defined by the organization do they qualify for? And so directly in the phone prompt, without speaking to a human, you could have your customer be presented with options that says, Jane Doe, you currently qualify for XYZ payment plan. Would you like to enroll for it? And then she could click 
one and enroll for that program, that would call the API within Loan Pro, enroller for that program, and automate that workflow if that's a payment reduction or skipping a payment and so forth, whatever the company had defined as their workflow. Those are examples of how you could take an API-driven loan servicing software and extend that giving you a solid user experience, but also managing how do you control those business efficiencies internally. Um, so that's one example, tons of different things about sc uh, platform scalability. We're cloud-based, so we have a redundancy and multiple availability zones. Uh, we're hosted on Amazon. But there's, there's a lot of additional ways of problems, access to data, latency in the data, control of the lender, not ceding that control to a third party, the, uh, the continuum and integration of servicing into collections, back to servicing, access and permissioning, uh, compliance, on and on. So there's a variety of problems, but a lot of them stemmed from the issues we were having ourselves as a lender from the beginning. But having a new technology with the example I provided there about extension through an IVR phone system is really powerful for a lender to take care of their customers and still have a kind of move very fast organization. Yeah. And I think this is one of the, the themes that we, we touch on a lot in this show, just to, to kind of um, take you know what what you're explaining here and really just you know broadcast it across the wider trend of democratizing access to financial services. Right, what what you're describing are very in-depth processes that these lenders would have had to figure out. But you know, Loan Pro having this scalable software enables them to do it quickly, securely, compliantly, and and you know impact their business in that way. Um, so I, I think. What, what might be interesting is if you could talk a little bit about the customers that you've enabled to grow their loan portfolio, right? So, so you let your customer focus on the origination piece and you handle the rest. So that obviously means that your customers can go out and build differentiated products in terms of who their customers are, uh, where they're finding their customers, uh, that whole process of getting them onboarded. Could, could you talk a little bit about how, how you're seeing this space evolve now that the now that the lenders are kind of freed from the difficulty of building the servicing technology and just can go out right. and build a brand and that origination technology? Great question. So it's always been sort of struck me as ironic, the amount of energy and effort that's put into customer acquisition, the underwriting, fraud prevention, decisioning, pricing of a loan. And then often many organizations, after they get the customer in the door, they kind of outsource the rest of engagement with that customer. And, and so we look at it and say, well, why do they do that? And it's not that they don't know that the customer is valuable and the cost of customer acquisition is significantly diminished if you have a repeat customer. They know all of those things. The reasons that they do that typically is because servicing is really hard and the tech stack behind it makes it really difficult to do with what's legacy out there. There's a lot of compliance. There's a lot of laws. There's a lot of uh, regulations and certifications. Often they're working with multiple sources of truth and difficulty in that way. And, that, and so one of the things that people used to do is they would cede a vast amount of control by outsourcing these things. But the problem with that is it handcuffs them. You're now have your brand engaged with a customer, right? You acquired the customer through your brand and now they owe you money 
and you're engaging with them, but you're outsourcing that to a third party to do that, there's some real reputational risk and problems about how do you engage that customer and provide them that white glove experience that you did during origination. Loan Pro enables our customers to continue that white glove experience through the rest of the life of engagement with that customer, increasing the uh, customer retention, increasing the repeat rate of additional uh, cross sells and upsell opportunities that are available, also increasing the performance of those loans. So some of the customers have used our application, like you said, they chose to use Loan Pro, which gave them more bandwidth to focus on other areas of their organization, maybe launching additional financial products, maybe feeding the, the real-time data of performance of those loans back in to their origination tools so they can have better tools for fraud, better tools for pricing of a loan, real-time responses so you can go ahead and manage out if I give a loan that looks like this, what's the probability of its success and its performance, those kinds of things. So they're able to do things that they've always wanted to do, but now they, they can pick that up and proceed that way. So that's one option of things that they can do. They also have the option of doing a, a lot of additional flexibility with defining what their product is. From the beginning, they don't have to know everything, right? They might have the ability to say, let's get a product up and running. And then after that, we can go ahead and figure out some of the details. And that's great. And it's really useful for them because often by definition, you don't know the details and see, until you see how the loan, loans in the portfolio start to perform. And this lets them move on the fly of making adjustments as to what programs might be offered to their lenders. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And yeah, I, I want to touch on a couple of key themes that we're seeing across fintech, but really in the lending world, I think they, they have become front and center for, for a lot of folks. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you both themes and, and let you touch on them because I think from your eyes, they might be related. We see the bundling and unbundling of financial services, whether it's a bank offering a loan or, or a lender offering a payment service, um, it kind of crosses different spectrums. But we see, you know, once you've built a strong brand, the fintech world and, and you know, you guys are playing a part of it enables brands to offer different products to their customers. And similarly, we're seeing a rise in embedded lending. So, you know, non-lenders getting into the space with the understanding that they have a customer base, they have a certain amount of data that would, that would help them compete as a lender um, and leveraging that brand and data to, to be competitive there and offer their customers a great product. So between those two topics, can you kind of touch on what you're seeing across your customer base and, and how you guys are, are making an impact there? Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen a lot of trends that are happening, right? It, it seems like uh, users are building a level of trust with brands that they engage with. So that might be some an app that you've got on your phone and you do something on that app regularly. They've built a large user base and now the organization behind that app is going to now start offering some financial services. So one of the core thesis that we have here at Loan Pro is that as financial services are democratized, everyone becomes a lender. And we're providing the tech stack behind those lenders to enable them to do so. And so what we've seen is the trends are that uh, any organization that has a large user base, it makes sense for them to extend the brand value that they've created. And in a lot of circumstances, a lot of brand loyalty to extend that to additional adjacent markets. Some of those include financial services. 
So let's take some examples back from 1990s, right? This started and people have been doing this for a long time. It's just accelerated and been more widely adopted in the last maybe five years. But back in the 90s, we, we know that uh, some credit unions associated with airlines started offering financial services to their employees because as an airline pilot, it was kind of frustrating. They'd be flying all over the country and they'd have difficulty doing banking services. And so they started putting some credit unions in at the uh, different airports around the country. And then they started offering a variety of financial services associated with that credit union. And now you could have direct deposit payroll. And if you did so, they had some perks that were offered. Well, we're seeing that same model happen today now where we don't necessarily need the physical presence of the organization, but maybe you have a captive audience inside of a, some app you have or a website or somebody you've worked with. Maybe you're not even in the financial service space, but you're providing some, some product and you have a captive audience that are using your tools. So some examples we see of this is any software that you have I hours. So if it's an accounting software and you have decision makers that are doing accounting all day, that perhaps they want to get a loan for their balance sheet and clean that up well directly within that platform, they should be able to get a loan. Why would they need to go to a organization they haven't engaged with previously to get a loan when an organization they already trust and work with and has visibility of their books should be able to give them that loan. Or maybe it's a, a neobank that currently offers a free checking account and is now moving to profitability through traditional financial services. They've bolted on a variety of kinds of loans. Or maybe it's a, a situation like Shopify or others out there that have built out a really interesting and powerful tool, and they built out a, a platform with a lot, large user base where they can add payments or added to that payments could be a installment loan and so forth. So we see a lot of non-traditional players in the financial services space kind of throwing their hat in the ring and providing a niche solution to their users. I'd say that's probably the biggest trend. One of the subsets of that trend is gonna be the buy now, pay later or point of sale financing, which is kind of coming full circle back to the, the layaway days. But this provides a, a lot of flexibility for those users. And it also creates some brand loyalty from the consumers to the uh, the retailer that's providing those things. Yeah, I think I think those are all a great way to frame the trend. And you know, you you touch specifically on buy now, pay later, but I think it also, you know, just touching back on on one of the points you mentioned of neobanks or online merchants offering loans as a path to profitability. You know, obviously there's a lot of fintechs that get to market with a loss-leading product. Lending is one of the areas where you can drive revenue, hopefully in a profitable way as well. So I think there's a certain element that we see now of an explosion of these, these lenders getting into the space saying, hey, you know, we, we need to drive revenue in a you know, high margin business. Lending is that ticket. And I, I, I also want to tie it back to the macro environment that we're seeing now where there's a lot of money in the, in the space. You know, we've obviously seen huge venture capital deals for fintechs, but at the same time, there's also massive debt deals being done to lenders to boost their ability to loan off their balance sheet. And it's, it seems like, you know, investors and institutional investors are flush with cash right now, looking to put it somewhere to, you know, seeking yield. And, you know, the, it, to what extent do you think this rise in fintech lending 
may, you know, feel free to, to talk specifically about buy now, pay later, or just generally is driven by a real demand and, and you know, solving a real problem in the market? Or do you think it's kind of driven by institutional money looking for yield and it gives people a lot of courage to just go out and put together a lending product? Yeah. So I think the real answer there is both, right? So there's going to be, there's a lot of money out there looking for yield. And there's a lot of money out there who has determined that the equity markets are maybe not where they want to have all of their nest egg. And so they're out there seeking for yield. And in particular, if you can put it in a loan that's collateralized, that the asset is uh, is something that you can actually have portability with. And that provides a lot of flexibility where if you're on the capital allocation side, you want to get into the loan space. So we see all kinds of hedge funds or additional contributors to the capital side of getting into the lending space. So part of it's that. Part of it also is that maybe the existing lenders didn't have their niche products match exactly the needs. And so there was a not an, a, an excellent financial product market fit. And so others are coming in and choosing to, to make that be a fit that meets the need of the consumer or the, the borrower, you know, if in the B2B lending space or a variety of lending options, it helps it fit their needs better. That might be more timely. It might be presentation at the right time. It might be convenience, but it also might be more aggressive financial terms. So it's really benefiting the consumer where they're getting more, more competition for their business, driving down the terms of the deal. But it also might be just a matter of, I want to work with this party. So in the case to directly speak to buy now, pay later, or the point of sale financing, if you take back to, you know, the long ago and in an American history, but it happened internationally as well and still does happen in many emerging markets is the you go to the, the neighborhood store and have in-store credit. And that was a very common model. And then it went away when the large players came in and said, hey, use us. And we've got the player with credit cards and then a variety of other options that happened. But the most winner was a credit card. And you use that credit card to do everything. And now it's the pendulum is shifting back a little bit where there's maybe more niche financial tools to meet that market. So and now in the buy now, pay later and the point of sell, this might be preferential terms, right? You can pay over time, zero interest, the fee that the merchant would have paid to the, uh, the credit card company for merchant services, at least that sometimes much more is passed on. However, it's still enough that the merchant is making a margin on the sell that they perhaps otherwise wouldn't sell. It delivers the uh, financial inclusion to the underbanked or non-banked players in the space. And so that's a real win to provide that financial inclusion for them, as well as it's providing a tool for the merchant to have more visibility of the trending of what's happening with what they're selling. And so this is actually in many circumstances driving inventory management and the abilities of what makes sense for them to hold and, and to sell. So we see those happening in trends. We also see a lot of non-traditional lenders getting into the space because it's really hot, but also it's a really smart financial move to do. So you 
of a ride share organization where they have drivers all over the country or world driving. They can provide opportunities to factor receivables to those drivers. They can say, hey, driver, you need, a, you need some money in advance. Well, you have a really good driving record. Why don't you go ahead and I'll give you an X amount of dollars and you're going to just have to catch it up in the next two weeks. And there's a, there's a fee associated with that. We see the equivalence of that happening, not just in the buy now, pay later, but in any user set that you're engaged with those customers. And as financial services or fintech continues to expand and get embedded within all facets of our life, we're seeing this trend happen on the insurance side, on the wealth management side, and also all of the consumer side of things as well. So we think it's going to continue. We do think one of the contributing factors is the large amount of capital that's been put into the marketplace. But we also see the uh, that particular trend of buy now, pay later is a partial cannibalism of credit cards, although the credit card space will continue to grow as people are more accepting of financial services as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think all those points you made just makes, uh, I mean, it makes me excited, and I'm sure our listeners as well, about the future of really financial inclusion, specifically on the theme of lending, right? You mentioned the, the example of, of uh, rideshare drivers having access to credit, um, and it's in no small part thanks to software providers like Loan Pro that are enabling brands that are not traditional lenders enter the space and, and provide um, financial tools to their customers, um, you know, where their customers are. So, Rhett, I, I, you know, have have enjoyed this conversation immensely. And just to, to wrap up, I always like to ask our guests for some forward-looking comments. And I'll let you take this more generally speaking. I think you touched on the industry just in, in your previous uh, comment here, or if you want to speak on something specific to Loan Pro. Yeah, well, thank you, Brady. I've appreciated this time to chat with you today. You know, looking at it forward, I think that we're going to have a, a continued explosion of folks jumping in and throwing their hat into the entrepreneurship route. We've seen here post-COVID numbers showing record numbers of folks quitting their jobs and trying something that they viewed as their ambition. And that's partially because they feel an increase of financial inclusion. It's partially because of the, the liquidity that's in the market and the equity markets are growing and they're uh, they're not fearing that of having a job. But it's also because COVID provided them an opportunity to do a, an internal retrospective and, an, and a view of what do they want to do with their life. And so we're seeing a lot of folks taking that opportunity that we did ourselves of building a business then building a tool inside of that business and turning that tool into what's now Loan Pro or its own business. So I think that that effort will continue to, to occur. I think democratizing of financial services is often viewed as breaking apart the bank. And maybe that's an oversimplified version of it because banks are the biggest player in the space doing it. Right. So they're they're actively involved in this as well. And many of them are very good players in the space to do so. So I think what we're going to see overall is the better product to market fit to the consumers that financial services and products will meet their needs better. That'll be more performant. It'll be more timely. It will present to them through through technology a better solution to their needs. And we'll also see that not only are we going to increase in those that are playing in the space, but it's really our core thesis that everyone becomes a lender. And so this is going to provide the ability that used to be the gaps that folks would have in order 
to jump into the space because their primary line of business was something else that they avoided getting into lending. This is providing the options for employers to have advances to payroll or the opportunity for a roofer to carry a deductible as a loan or many circumstances where everyone gets into the lending space because it's clean, it's neat, and it's organized. And that's the space that LoanPro is playing in. We've got a, a very aggressive product roadmap for us to continue to expand all the features and flexibility user experience that our customers can use so that we can solve the problems for our customers so that they then can focus on providing the proper user experience to their customers. So we see this as a big trend that's happening both macro and micro and providing a lot of opportunity. So it's gonna be really exciting next decade. Yeah, Rhett, it's been a pleasure to have you on. How can our listeners find out more about Loan Pro or, or get in touch with you? Hey, well, appreciate it. So our website is loanpro.io. Check it out there. We, for, we provide a free trial, significant help materials. If you want to poke around and play with the API, we have a full readme. If you want the ability to uh, view videos or help articles, we have all that as well. And then, of course, on the loanpro.io website, you can contact our team and we can walk you through the, the process of reviewing it. Thanks, Rhett. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate your time. Have a nice day. Bye. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.